Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Today, we're going to talk about physical fitness and marketing a physical business to uh, help you grow your business. My guest today is Matt Benvy, the owner of Evolve Fitness in Halifax, Bedford, Dartmouth, and Enfield. This is The Real Bottom Line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. That's excellent. I'm so happy you're here. I, I always ask this question because I, I, I'm fascinated by the journey from uh, people who have, may have had real jobs, I call them, or whatever, and then they become business owners. How did that journey work for you? Okay, this might be longer than half an hour. The, the journey, uh, it's an interesting journey. So I have never had a job since university, uh, a traditional job. So Mitch and I both, so Mitch is a co-owner uh, of all as well. He came on later uh, after I started it almost 14 years ago. And I didn't really start Evolve. So Mitch and I both wanted to be phys ed teachers. We had a very amazing childhood with coaches that went so far above and beyond uh, and I'd love to tell those stories about about th those guys and what they did for us and the supportive family and everything like that. And our our thing was, hey, we want to coach. We want to coach sports. We want to be like them. And we want to be phys ed teachers because we're into all of that stuff. So I went to St. of X. Mitch went to Dow. We both did kinesiology. We both found out very, uh, and we'll get into this stuff too, is that there's not much accountability to uh, being a good student when you no longer have sports after school or nobody cares if you show up to class. So Mitch and I's grades both uh, plummeted from honors with distinction, I think, uh, or honors to, um, I did five years at St. FX because I had failed so many courses. <laughs> and um, the five years, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that fifth year. So it's a really interesting thing. So I got into uh, personal training was two academic courses at St. of X. I'll try to keep this as short as I can, but it was two academic courses at St. of X. I took them both. Why not? Uh, it's a good tool in the toolbox. And I was just getting into to exercising more regularly and lifting weights at, at St. of X. And so my summer of, I got my certification, my summer of my fourth year leading into my fifth year, I went on Kijiji, which Kijiji, I think, so this would have been 2000, uh, 2008 or 2007. And I had never been on Kijiji before. And I was working at, my father worked for 37 years at the home hardware in Divert, the warehouse in Divert. Oh, wow. So all of my university summers, I worked night shift there from 11 o'clock at night until seven o'clock in the morning. And lots of lessons there is a great place to work, great employer. And I went on Kijiji and I will never forget the ad. It said professional parents looking for a trainer for their two kids. Son's a hockey player. Um, daughter is going to St. of X to try out for the soccer team. And, it's, and preferably a kinesiology student. And I said, I emailed them back and I said, listen, I work until Friday. It was Sunday night until Friday morning. I said, I work until Friday morning at 7 a.m. I'll come up every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and train the kids. I'm friends with the soccer coach at St. of X. I can, you know, build some connections there if need be. So I came up to meet them. Um, it was, I will say them by name because I love them to death. The, the Legay family, Tina and Doug Legay. 
and uh, they have five children and it was the youngest of their children. Um, they're the most amazing family you'll ever meet in your life. And so I trained the kids for the summer and I picked up a couple other clients and then I went back to St. of X and Christina came to St. of X, the daughter, and we just kept in touch, became friends. And that next summer I got a membership to um, several local gyms in Halifax, which you're not supposed to do. And I trained people from Kijiji, basically uh, wherever they wanted to train. And I wanted to coach. I really did. I wanted to coach basketball. I had been coaching for two years at St. of X in basketball, uh, the Bantam boys rep team. And I was volunteering every Saturday morning for a few hours um, just with all the different programs. So I reached out to a bunch of coaches and one of the coaches said, Hey, can you train my son and his friend and at Dalhousie's and I lived right by Dal. So I said, great. So I started training them. Uh, my high school soccer coach was training the uh, Canada games team, or he was coaching the Canada games team. He got me a client from there, Eric Merchant, who's now a great physio and a great friend, family friend and everything. So he became a client. And then I just kind of picked up some clients here and there. And, um, I had one negative experience at new bodies where I had to turn around and leave because I saw somebody that I knew who was a trainer there and would have tattled on me for having a membership there. Um, this was before it was called good life. And so I was walking down the street in in Halifax one day and, and I saw this evolve fitness on Clyde street and just down from spring garden. And I walked in and I said, can it was for sale. So I went in and I talked to the owner. He had three kids at the time. He ha now has four. His wife was Australian and her family was in Australia. The young, the oldest was starting school. So they decided to move to Australia um, to put all the kids through school there. So the, the, I, I, you know, I got some advice and the advice was don't do it. And um, I said, you know, I was, I was all for it because it's already a gym. Like it's already, it's a, it was a one-on-one -on -one personal training studio. Um, I need to do this. So the legates helped me out a little bit and the owner financed it over a, a pretty significant amount of time. It wasn't a large amount of money, but when you have $0 in the bank account and no business background or lawyer background, can't afford a lawyer or any real, real good advice. Um, I did that. And that's, yeah, that was kind of day one of becoming a true business owner and having previous to that, I just had the membership. So I was probably a hundred dollars a month in overhead and then immediately walking into probably, you know, six grand a month in overhead and a handful of clients. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what it swim, was. Sink or swim, baby. Sink or swim. Yeah. How did you go get your first sets of clients then now that you, you know, you've been going out and getting it from almost ad hoc referrals. Did you start at that point being a little more deliberate about pulling in your clients? I still didn't know what marketing was then I would say, because I'm a pure, I'm a pure sports and kinesiology background. And I used, I utilized Kijiji um, I printed flyers that didn't work, you know? Um, and yeah, at first it was, it was just, you know, you start a gym and you think, Hey, Matt Benvy owns the gym. You know, everybody's going to want to come here. <laughs> and, uh, they will come. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't come at first. And so I think just the visibility of that location, because the, um, the liquor store was, mm. was right across the road. Some, some visibility there. I did pick up some, and probably because of the liquor store, I picked up some really, great Dow students as clients. And some of them are still friends to this day. And I took over some clients from, from the previous owner, um, not many, but a few, and they're still friends and clients to this day, almost 14 years later. So yeah, as far as like getting new clients, it was, I think just visibility to start for the first, for the first year or two before I started realizing that I needed to do more. And then your brother joined, how did that happen? And how have your roles evolved? Yeah. So Mitch was, he graduated a year earlier than me. Um, he graduated on time, even though our grades were pretty similar. 
And he uh, went to Korea to teach English. He took the first flight of his life um, and he went to South Korea and he taught English for three and a half years. So that would have been two and a half years in business. And at some point, I don't really remember what was going on. He'll laugh and tell you that he saw a picture of me um, more muscular than I even am now. I was at kind of my highest, like bulky weight. And he decided that he needed to start working out on that day when he saw that picture. And there was just a point where it was time for him to come home. And it was, uh, you know, the options are, are a bit limited as a kinesiology grad who's didn't do well in university. And so it was probably go work at home hardware or come work with me. And obviously I wanted him to come work with me. Um, there was not a whole lot of thought put into it. We had a little bit of a downstairs space where I added some quit commitment, you know, I love my parents. Uh, dad lent me $5,000 twice. Um, and my parents are not wealthy. That was a stretch. And, um, and I bought some equipment for Mitch to be able to train people, um, as well. So he moved home and it, he was the, we were both just one-on-one -on -one personal trainers. It was just the two of us at the time. There's a Victoria Shoup story in there. And I don't know if you know Victoria, but she's, she works with us now. Victoria was working for me at the time. And unfortunately I couldn't keep her cause I had to have my brother. So, um, it was actually probably worked out great that she left and came back and she's just an amazing friend and, and one of the most incredible trainers that I know, but yeah, Mitch and I, we were just both trainers at the time. And, and my job was to run the business, even though at the time I was not running it um, very well. Um, it's just kind of going with it. And there's, there's lots of layers to that, that, that whole story. And then over time, we moved and we expanded and we hired Alan Dalton, who's, who's eight years now with Evolve. And that's when I started under, like getting some coaching and, and reading more about the other side of the business and the marketing and how to get clients and how to retain clients. And started falling in love with that side of things and recognizing, starting to, to hear people when they say you can't do it all. And at some point you, you can't be the best at everything in the business. And at that point I would say Mitch was becoming like the star trainer. And, um, you know, it, 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 and this is every business. Everybody wants the owner. Then nobody wanted to train with Mitch and then everybody loved Mitch. And then nobody wanted to train with Alan and then everybody loved Alan. And it's just like a progression. Yes. Right. And, 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 I was slowly, finally, I was like, you know, I need to spend more time trying to grow the business because I knew that we had something special and I knew that we cared a lot about our clients and community and we needed to figure out how to do more of that. It's interesting. I'm a big fan of the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And so you started out as a technician doing a little management, then you became a manager. But on the entrepreneurial side, do you guys still share the vision of the business? Like, do you work on that together or is that all you, Matt? Like, how do you guys break that piece up? Yeah, I fully uh, relate to that book and I've read it a couple of times. And um, Mitch is still the technician. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, again, no pun intended, he's starting to evolve a little bit away from that. We're just on different timelines, I would say. Yeah. Mitch has a really great um, Amazon business right now. And that's his opportunity. You know, it's tough as twin brothers and we're competitive and everything like that. And this is my baby and we're, and my vision will always be the vision, I think. And maybe that'll change. Um, I, so it's more so me, the visionary and then trickling down um, and feel very lucky that I have a twin brother who cares as much as I do. And we pretty much, I mean, we're aligned in that, there is some strategy now more than ever, but the strategy is always just to be really nice to people and help them as best we could. And I, and I, and I, it, you know, just that's kind of what it was and it's worked and we, we kind of lead with heart and figure it out as we go. Now we're learning, you know, that can, 
that can have missed, you know, there can be thing lessons learned in there and you need more strategy and you need to be thoughtful about even right. things that lead with our need thought sometimes as well, especially when you have a bigger organization. You know, when it was just me, Mitch and Alan, we we're just buddies who figured it out. Right. And now it's like, we're not I'll have buddies. a beer and solve this problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like let's go to Nashville and, and figure it out. Like, but um, yeah, so I, I would say that as far as the evolved business goes, um, it'll probably always be me as the visionary and, and we use traction. Like we use the, we, we implement a traction. Yep. Yeah. So we implemented traction during COVID and that was game changer for us. So Mitch and I are kind of the, the kind of co-lead of that. And then we have our management team with Alan and Jen and Christine that we go through that. Um, and that's probably due to change soon with the different locations, but we're pretty, pretty happy with where we're at now on that. Are you looking to boost your business value beyond just increasing profit? Introducing the Business Value Amplifier a revolutionary 10-week program designed to help you uncover proven methods to enhance your company's worth. Discover how to transition from feeling unsure about maximizing your business value to becoming a savvy operator who deliberately and methodically pulls the levers of value building. With the Business Value Amplifier, you can expect to take control of your business's growth and be intentional about enhancing its value. Whether you're planning to sell or simply want a more vibrant, predictable, and lucrative operation, this program is for you. Don't miss out on this opportunity to amplify your business's value in just 10 weeks. Go to blackstarwealth.com amplify and apply for the Business Value Amplifier today. That's blackstarwealth.com amplify. Your business will thank you. That is very interesting. So it's, it's, it's like a true evolution from, you know, hanging out, making decisions to now you have a system and a process that you're using to be more directive and more intentional about your growth, which is kind of cool. I love the story about your brother and how that's evolved. I deal a lot with entrepreneurial couples. So normally these are like spouses of some sort, but at some level, you know, Matt and Mitch are kind of falling into that in terms of being able to have a shared vision, how they communicate, how they build up the roles, all those pieces. Yeah, yeah. we're big on uh, also, how do you stay in your unique ability or your zone of genius? So that, because that's where you're gonna have more fun and actually be able to produce more results for people. Yeah, for and, yeah, and it's zone of genius, That is that the big leap? Is that the- that's, the I think so, yeah. Gay Henderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, us too. And I would say we don't really know Mitch's true zone of genius. Uh, mm. it's, it's within the, the, cause he's such a great trainer and a great people person. Um, and then, yeah, we're just, kinda, we're still figuring that out. And my zone of genius is definitely, you know, marketing and things like that. I would say there's still more things that I need to delegate, but I'm, I'm closer to my zone of genius than ever before. There's no doubt about that. And I love my, my day-to-day -day role. I love that it's an evolution. Ha, no pun, right? We're using the puns all over the place. <laughs> However, I love that, you know what? We don't wake up knowing all the answers. You know, it's not like one night you have a dream and all of a sudden the way is totally clear, right? So, and I think sometimes people have uh, undervalued the delayed gratification or the fact that, you know, just having uh, the right inputs will lead to you to the story or to the, to the output you're looking for, which in some cases is a definition of zone of genius. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's awesome. Okay. So what would be your biggest lesson you think you've learned along the way that you're like, if I could have 
if I could have gone back in time and done this differently, it would have made a very big difference. What do you think that might be? Oh, geez. There are a lot of lessons. I would say, I mean, trusting your gut is a good mm -hmm. just thing in general. I think in all areas of life, I'm sorry if you can hear the sirens that are going on behind me right now. I have my door open because it's a beautiful day. Um, lessons. I mean, get your, uh, this is a big lesson. I mean, get your stuff right with your bookkeeper and your accounting. So yes. you don't have to mess. You don't have to mess with the CRA too much, which I, I had to, but they were great to deal with actually. And yeah, I would say, you know, everybody thinks, you know, your, your, your passion is really important and you can make a business out of any passion. And I think that that is true, but you also need to make money. So I'm very blessed in that I am, I have this passion and it is something that I've been able to make money with, but uh, a lesson would be that it's not easy and there's no such thing as an overnight success. Mm -hmm. Everybody people will think you're an overnight success and not see all of the work that you put in. I guess, yeah, that kind of coming full circle now that I talk it out, but yeah, that, uh, expect it to be hard. I expect it to be really, really hard. Um, expect to not feel normal and not to live a normal life. Expect, um, people who you think are your friends to not be your friends anymore. And that's okay. And be okay why, with that. Why and, is that, Matt? Uh, because I would say that there, and I, some things I'll say may sound harsh, but not, but I mean them as best as I can. It's like, if, so, if you're growing personally and professionally and somebody else is not, um, then they could drag you down and you have to avoid that at all costs. So, um, I'm a very growth oriented person. I have a partner who's very growth oriented as well. And, you know, her and I, we talk about the future and our goals for the future, because if we are the same in 10 years as we are now, um, then that's probably not a good thing in my opinion. I don't want to be the same in 10 years as I am now. And I'm not the same as I was 10 years ago. So I'd say expect it to be hard, expect to have people question your work-life balance. Um, and I don't believe in work-life balance. So, and I can explain that later if you, if you need me to, but. I, I want you um, to go right there now. Work-life balance. Yeah. Is I mean, I, I believe in work-life. It is a hundred percent a myth. It's a work-life blending. I think I would call it. And I've, I've borrowed that from somebody else, but. You know, I'm a big Alex Ramosi fan and I wasn't like, I don't know if you know Alex Ramosi, but his podcast is brilliant. And he got a bad rap in the fitness industry because he seemed like kind of a jerk. And now he's um, built an amazing business. He sold out of his gym business for like $40 million. And now he owns something called acquisition.com where they basically leverage their, their skills into acquiring businesses that are doing between three and 10 million and help them scale. And he's just sharing everything on his podcast now. And I, I, I listen to his podcast almost every day and I feel the same as him is I love work. Like I love if, if work brings me more joy than going and doing what society tells me I should do for fun, then that's, that's what I should do. Like, and I do have fun. I travel and I have beers sometimes and I go to patios and I do normal things. Um, but I also work all the time and I work every single day and I love to do that. So if, if uh, Joe came up to me and said, you're, you don't have work-life balance. Like you need to go to the patios more. Like you need to, to do this or do that or go for a walk and whatever. And it's just like, well, why that will make me less happy. So it's like, if we're, 
if we're doing things to make us happy and you and working makes you happy, then work more. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's just a big, big lesson. I think that everybody needs to hear because it's, it's, I find 2023 very weird because everybody wants to tell everybody else how they, what they should do and how they should feel and this and that. And I think that society has just gone a little bit soft, but working is great. And you know, it's, some people don't, if you don't want to work, if you want to work 20 hours a week, great, figure that out, figure out how to support your life with that. And you want to spend the rest of your time like to each their own. But to me, work makes me happy. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, what you're bringing up for me is two questions. Now, the first one I want to go is what does self-care look like for Matt Benvy? Self-care for Matt Benvy is a country concert um, okay. and, and a beach. Yeah, I absolutely am obsessed with live music. That's uh, I get emotional when I go to concerts. I get, you know, and I hear a great country song. Uh, I get emotional. I just talking about it. It makes me a little emotional. And I love being outside in warm weather. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be somebody who's going to go to the beach for eight hours, but I'll go to the beach and read a book for two hours. And then I'll go for a run or a walk or something like that. And I like to sweat outdoors. I don't like to sweat as much indoors. My workouts are not as intense as your workouts at Evolve Fitness, um, but it's hot today. I'm going to go for a run later. I'm going to love every minute of it. And so, yeah, self-care with me and spending time with my dog and girlfriend. Um, that, and that's a new, that's a newer thing for me because I'm in a great relationship and I love my dog and all of that stuff. But yeah. And, and that's it. I don't really watch, you know, I'll watch movies on airplanes sometimes, but um, self-care for me is music and, and warm weather. Thank you. When it, when it comes to, when we look at what your comments were about what you're doing, what you're happy because you love it. Is that the same as hustle culture or is that different than hustle culture? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I, I kind of touched on that a little bit because um, Gary V is the ultimate hustle culture guy. And there would be a lot shifting. of people. Is he now finally? Yeah. 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 Cause he has a girl, he has a partner now and everything. Right. Oh. So good question. I would say that I would say it's a fine line and everybody's definition is probably different. Mm. I think that, that I think hard work is important and I'm always going to think that. And that's where I tend to, I tend to, um, I tend to gravitate more towards people that have that strong work long and hard yeah. But I don't, I don't necessarily believe in it because if I could work less and figure and, and delegate more, uh, maybe I would play more golf. Um, maybe you don't need, maybe you don't need to hustle. And if you, and this is where Gary Vee, I think is going too. It's like, if you can figure out how to not hustle and that makes you happy, um, then great. And if you can make the money that supports the lifestyle that makes you happy. And, and that's a tough one too, because everybody requires a different amount of money to be happy. So it's hard to just like, be like, you just need this salary or you need this side hustle to make this much to replace your salary, to do blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Um, people are going to be happy on different income levels. I'm going to be happy when I can go to a concert whenever I want and sit in the front row. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the quality of it too, Matt. I, I, uh, I've become a concert snob. I have to see their faces. I don't want to watch it on a screen. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, the thing that comes up now that I want to ask you about is, well, it's thinking you're making me think of one of the things I do for my clients is help them come up with this, what I call the power number. And that is the number that they know their life is completely sustainable from there on in. And so now they're just, they don't, if they hustle afterwards, it's because they want to, not because they have to pay a bill. So I feel like that 
and that is different for everybody. Like you just said, the, the number and the lifestyle and what's important, what people love to do is all so different. It's so good. Oh yeah. Mitch and I have a friend from a childhood friend and Mitch has gone to visit him. He made a ton of money in the oil fields as a petroleum engineer. And um, now he lives in Florianopolis, Brazil with his wife and two kids. And um, he doesn't work very much and he enjoys the crap out of doing his jujitsu and spending time with his family. And, you know, he doesn't, and I don't want to talk Mitch is closer to him than I, than I am. Um, I wouldn't be able to do that personally because I would need to fly to Nashville too often to go to concerts. And I don't think that I could afford it on, uh, I don't want to speak to how much money he has. Cause I don't, I really don't know, but, yeah. but that's, that's what he's, he's living his dream. Hey, growth-oriented business owners, are you ready to take your business to new heights and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs? I would like to introduce you to the Elite Growth Community, your ticket to a world of learning, sharing, strategizing, and problem-solving. Our monthly live events will bring together successful business owners just like you, who are making over six figures and have been in the game for at least two years. And the best part? Your first event is absolutely free. So try it out and see if it's the right fit for you. And after that, for just $17 a month, you'll unlock unlimited access to our exclusive community where you can accelerate your business growth like never before. No commitments, month to month. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to join the elite growth community at blackstarwealth.com backslash elite. Sign up today and watch your business soar to a new heights. That's blackstarwealth.com backslash E-L-I-T-E. Hope to see you soon. So I'd like to circle back about your love of marketing. And um, as a member of your gym, full disclosure, uh, I have uh, really participated in a bunch of the challenges that you guys have done. What is that as a marketing um, uh, tactic for you guys? And where did it come from and how's it working? Okay. Okay. Great question. So I, I, I have a presentation on this um, because six-week challenges are dead unless you do them the way we do them, in my opinion. Yeah. So six-week challenges um, were is a wide, widely used marketing tool for gyms. Um, specifically in North America, for sure. And I've had, I've had lots of coaches and I see what's happening. Um, and what the six week challenges started out as was a rapid weight loss program. And it was, mm. um, and then it, it evolved further into rapid weight loss. And so I would say it started just as like a, you know, you, uh, an, an offer to join the gym, like an offer, hopefully you can't resist to join the gym and, like a low barrier offer. Like a lot of gyms were doing like 21 days for $21. That was a big thing. This is 10 years ago. Yeah. And so I said, you know, we need to do a challenge and we did our first challenge more than, uh, it was May 1st of 2013. We did our first challenge and it's a group at, I mean, the, the, the marketing sells a group atmosphere. It's a promise of great results in a short amount of time, which we've gotten, gotten away from because we've learned our lesson. And, but it, that's what it'd be. It's a promise of results in a short amount of time. It's 21 day fix. It's, everything that you see that, that we no longer align with. Um, mm. I would say we didn't really know what we aligned with. So that first six week challenge, uh, for you, and you don't know, you don't know this, but, um, one guy lost 58 pounds. Um, and then I know for sure that he gained it all back. And then another guy who I was friends with, like people were eating McDonald's before their first weigh in and then starving themselves. And I'm like, this is not what, what this is designed for. So the next challenge we put in rules where, um, if you lost more weight in your last week than any other week, then you were disqualified. If you ate McDonald's before or went, went, then you're disqualified and all the stuff. And 
And where it's, again, the puns, where it's evolved to is more of a habit-based thing mm -hmm. and letting people and letting people decide what their goal is rather than here's a challenge. It's for weight loss. Um, that's what it is. But I will say I, I, I struggle with it ethically, not, I wouldn't say ethically. I struggle with it because people like short-term programs. I don't believe in short-term programs, but they're great to get people in the gym and we can, the way I market is to get people into the gym at all costs and then show them what evolve is. Um, so I don't think I would ever say come to the evolve, like detox or cleanse or something like that. But if it meant getting into the door and that, to show them that a cleanse and a detox is, is not a good thing and that we need to build healthy, sustainable habits, then I would do it because they're just going to go somewhere else. So it's to figure out that offer. And that's where six week challenges are. And I'm, I'm kind of veering away from your question a little bit. I wish I could give you a better answer, but it's like a short term thing. It, it, people think like people think it's attainable because it's only six weeks. If it was a 12 week program, less people would join for sure. Um, and then you have the promise of the great success. And then the group atmosphere is really what sells it. And we, and big incentive. So we have, we used to have way bigger prizes than we do now and we still get as many people to join or more. Um, so incentive of big prizes and, and everything like that, I would say that's like the kind of marketing hook behind it. And then, um, six week challenges then evolve to lose 10% of your body weight in six weeks or 20 pounds and get your money back. And I'm just like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. we've done a, ver we've done a version of it, like way scaled down and way, and anybody could, anybody could participate even if they didn't have weight loss goal. And then we're just completely into what has gone well with our challenges is the group atmosphere is just, it just undeniably awesome. And that's why we keep doing them because people get amazing results because it is, it seems like, Hey, I can do anything for six weeks. Um, and I like that. And then I like the fact that I have six weeks to show them how great of all fitness is and that that should probably stay here forever. So that's where we're at. And that's why our challenges are still successful. I would say is that we've never bait and switched anybody We've never, we've always given refunds to anybody that said, Hey Matt, this program isn't for me. We've always just done our best to provide resources and to give people quality information. Um, and we take feedback and, and the feedback we get, we apply it to the next challenge. The feedback is always usually pretty similar. Some things are not possible, obviously. Uh, we can't give everybody like five personal training sessions who joins for the cost or whatever, but yeah, it's, uh, we're still doing it because it's still effective to get people into the door and to get people the results that we hope to get them. So as a far as um, a tactic for your growth, when you look back and you say, okay, that was how much of your growth as an organization, as a gym comes from the fact you did those challenges to attract new people. It's gotta be at least 50% mm. because we've been doing three to four a year for 10 years. You know, yeah. there's 40 and we, I don't think we've ever had any that have had less than 80 and they yeah. probably average about 150 people. And that includes current clients as well. And it's not only the impact of those people and the challenge themselves, but the referrals that come through their results and through their experience with the gym. So it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be 50% at least. That's interesting. Do you think there's places that challenges don't work? Like like types of businesses that, you know, that wouldn't work at all there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, and I just did a presentation on this, um, for a group, I think six week challenges in a way have a place anywhere, but you have to break it down for what the objective for what mm -hmm. the outcome is. So, you know, if we have a, our Evolve Fitness Forever program and they don't give a crap about weight loss, but they care about their fall risk, then what we're going to have to do is have a challenge that improves fall risk. 
and we will assess them at the start and the end and give them habits that they can do throughout that. Now, if you want to do a six week business challenge, you would have to say, okay, what's my objective? Is it make $10,000 extra uh, in the next six weeks? That's the objective. Okay. This is the, what the challenge is going to be. You're going to, you know, do Facebook ads or what, you know, you're going to post on Instagram every single day with a call to action or whatever it is. So I do think a challenge can apply really to any business. If you have a clearly defined objective that, you know, you can help people reach in that, in that defined amount of time. That's good. Well, thank you for sharing that. I've always been fascinated by that business, like that marketing model. Uh, I haven't figured out it for myself, but you know, I think of it for others that it's a good one. So thank you for sharing your learnings from that. I'd like to transition before we're all done to talk a bit about entrepreneurs, physical health, and how that might be affecting their business results. Do you have any stories about entrepreneurs who've come to the gym, started working out, and all of a sudden their business is doing better as well? Oh, well, I have my own story. Um, Jeez. I mean, I hear, like, I hear every day from people, and I wouldn't say necessarily entrepreneurs, but I would say people who have jobs and people have various levels of jobs from executives to employees to everything that the sleep and the energy levels would probably be like the two key things that come from that. And confidence, actually, I would say, in the challenges, because you know, we, we challenge people to get out of their comfort zone. I had two people tell me, one person emailed me this morning to tell me she got out of her comfort zone, applied for a new job and got it. So that's like a victory uh, in itself. And I love to hear things like that. So I would say when we're, when we're, when we're getting kind of comments from people, it's the confidence that comes from being a regular exerciser. There is the focus that we put on helping people improve their sleep and their sleep habits. And then um, their energy levels to to be able to do things for longer. I mean, I would say would be the thing. So I don't have any specific examples. Um, Myself is that I cleaned up my sleep and that was a huge, a major impact. And and I, and I just wrote about it. I just had my five years in April was five years since I've been on CNN because every night I would go to bed with my phone and I would scroll CNN and then I would scroll Facebook and then I'd go back hoping for a new article, anything to avoid, you know, going to bed. and the screen time before bed and then that extra 30 to 45 minutes per night. And I just made the decision that feeling good was better than not feeling good and not needing to nap during the day was important. So I went from staying up every night from, you know, 9.30 to 11 and getting up at anywhere from four to six in the morning, going to work, having a nap mid-morning every single day to getting up uh, most times at 4 a.m. and being my most productive between four and seven. Um, and that's my, that's my writing time. And then I do deep work from seven to 10 and it's not perfect. Um, especially when you just get a dog, but it's, uh, if I get up at 4am, I have a great day and there's just, it's just the way it is for me. And, and I am 37. I mean, probably some of the best shape I've ever been. I'm not as athletic as I was because I don't play sports anymore, but I sleep well. I have energy. Uh, I went to Signature Health and uh, all my blood work was great. And my testosterone was still high and all of those things. And I attribute that to regularly strength training and always prioritizing strength training, number one, um, getting outside and the sleep. So if I'm an entrepreneur and I've been resisting the call, I'm, I'm too busy, I'm too whatever. What is the one tip you would give someone to like bridge through that gap to start to get started 
Oh, I mean, hire a professional and get yeah. professional help. Yeah. Uh, the, every, just go on Google and, and Google productivity after a workout and you'll see all of the studies that show that if you work out in the middle of the day, your productivity in the afternoon is skyrocketed because mm. I, and I, there's a great quote from Alex Ramosi. He said, you can have a nap or you can go work out. Both will give you more energy and one, only one is going to make you jacked. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, always getting professional help. Like if you are an entrepreneur, you obviously believe in getting help and giving help to others, probably if you have a product or a service. So why not for you, for something that you don't have, you know, you might not have knowledge about. So get professional help and figure out, you know, do a time audit of your, of your week and figure out where you can fit in 30 to 60 minutes of exercise three or four times a week. I would say you need to do less than you think you do. And, um, that's, that's a big one. Like people, you can have success three workouts a week, 20 minutes, um, if they're done right. So, um, not thinking, but don't think that it's like this big thing that's going to overwhelm all of your time and all of your energy and understand that it will 99.9% uh, .9 chance that it'll guaranteed make you better at what you do and feel better every day. I recently read a book that I love this comment about your future self. And you talked about that a little bit about where you'd be in 10 years. And typically we all think it might be just us differently, but it's actually, you'll be a completely different person. And what I love is that line, everything you do today is an investment in your future self or a cost to your future self. And so I think the real bottom line here today, Matt, is that by getting in physical activity, you are investing not only in your today self, but your future self. Thanks so much for coming, Matt. You're welcome. Can I add one thing to that? Yes, please. Yes. So very much like the, what you're saying is that um, if I gave you a contract today and I wrote an email about this coming up, I don't think it's out yet, uh, that said all you had to do was eat healthy and uh, exercise three times a week and drink water and sleep seven hours of sleep per night. If we wrote a contract, I could guarantee um, that at 80 years old, you would be living your best life and traveling and still able to do all of the things that you love without any um, physical limitations. Um, would you sign that contract? Yeah. And it's, it's a choice. So we, we do all have the choice. And if it's not a priority, the other side of that contract, if you don't sign the contract, you could be frail at 60. Uh, you could break your hip and live the last five of your years of your life, um, depending on other people. Right. So true. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.